This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Karan Tibdeval, Growth Consultant at Feature. Karan, welcome to the Business Fabulous Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Great. So think about it. When you develop an app, essentially putting together the work of graphical designers, coders, and a good marketing on top of that, a combination of art, math, and a marketing expertise to make sure the app, the product of these people's work, do click with many people who have been using it, you need to do a lot of testing throughout the app's lifecycle. So today with Karan, we're taking a deeper dive into the topic we touched on some time ago, which is A-B testing. We human beings feel really uncomfortable with uncertainty, and running a test is the best way to get rid of it. But let's talk about you, Karan, for us. Tell us about yourself. How did you get involved into the app growth, app marketing field? So hi, everyone. I'm actually coming from Bharuj, which is a small town in Western India. And I came to Germany for my master's and then, you know, was fascinated always about customer retention. So, you know, started working with HelloFresh before, which is a meal kit delivery company. And right now I work at Feature, which is a mobile growth consulting company and based here in Berlin, where we basically help clients with, uh, with a lot of stuff, including App Store optimization, Apple search ads but also my team specifically with user retention and, and growth consulting. And within that entire frame, as you very correctly pointed out, you know, A-B testing is a big, plays a big role uh, throughout all of those core services. And that's where mainly my experience comes from. All right, cool. Now, let's start with painting a broader picture. Why do we do A-B testing or just testing for this matter at all? What is important about testing conceptually? Well, I think... That's a good question. I ch- I think it's just essential to start with like fundamentals and like A-B testing is not something completely new. If you think about it, it's something that has been going on for about like 100 years, right? And mm-hmm. earlier people used to test a very simple version of those tests was, I remember like an example or how it started is uh, one guy wanted to find out which pesticide works better for his field. And so he split the field into two put pesticide A in one, pesticide B in the other one and seeing which one performed better. And at the core of it, that's what testing is, right? So you care about a certain metric and you want to optimize for its performance. So be it acquisition, be it you know retention or uh, engagement, it's still just about optimizing the metrics that you care about. And we do that by experimenting. And I think like one caveat to that is like, you know, we are quite wrong about a lot of things that we think our customers want. So I think A-B testing mm-hmm. also works quite well to put us and our ideas into place. Yeah, I think I even remember that that specific example you just provided about the testing the pesticide. So he had one the group to test the chemical and the other was the, the test set just to make sure that the second is not influenced by this chemical ingredient and you know controlling variables. You're only... <laughs> making sure that the the thing you're trying to measure influences only one thing in your set. The second one isn't influenced at all. Otherwise, you're just uh, mixing your variables here and you're not, you're not testing anything, right? 
Exactly. And that's a very common problem, actually, Art. Like uh, from like just my HelloFresh experience and previous experience I've seen. Also with a lot of clients, we see that the intention is quite right to A-B test, but then sometimes just not having those fundamentals in place. A lot of people are experimenting without understanding that it needs to be one variable or, you know, if you want to test more variables, there is a different setup with a multivariate test that goes into place. So that's a very exactly. easy but very common thing to go wrong, get wrong. <laughs> exactly. Now, let's focus on app marketing and doing A-B testing for an app specifically. What problems do we solve with doing A-B testing for a mobile app? So really, like if, if we talk about app marketing, I think it just solves all kinds of problems. Experimenting is usually the solution to everything that you initially spoke about in the introduction. So when you have an app, if you look at the core funnel of an app, let's say a double A, triple R funnel, right? Which is uh, starting from acquisition to activation and then uh, moving on to retention, referral, and even reactivation, right? So right. if you look at the user lifecycle, honestly, A-B testing can help you in every particular stage. Uh, how it helps and what tactics differ from stage to stage. But then at the end of the day, it's about looking at that funnel. And then uh, at each step, you can you can sort of A-B test your way through to optimize again, like, you know, acquisition or retention, engagement, uh, whatever it might be. I just wanted to point out like there's this, this great example of, uh, for example, just to give you a scale of how companies run experiments. So, you know, of course you have the big Google, Amazon and Facebooks of the world, but then also an app like Duolingo. Um, I recently read that they ran over like 3000 AB tests, you know, even running 200 at one particular point of time. And they tested something as trivial as how big that their icon, which is an owl, how big the tiers should be, uh, which resonate with the, with their users, you know. So you can really go very deep into this. Right. So some things you just, there's no way you can figure it out without doing testing. It's going to be biased. Uh, there's no way you can actually walk in the shoes of your customers. You have to test it and you know, and uh, see where the data will be guiding you, right? Exactly, exactly. And even sometimes when you think you know your customer quite well, and that's something I think we should come to at a later point in this conversation, but like just look, when we talk about ideas in, in organizations, that's what usually happens. That person with the more experience, they have ideas which they tend to sort of stick to because they think they know the user better. But it's just funny how A-B tests can prove you wrong so many times and you just at some point just get used to it all right so what general a b testing strategy would you suggest for app owners to adopt i think when we talk about general strategies one thing that i've learned uh, from testing and i just wanted to emphasize is on the mindset on getting that mindset correct so be it having this experimentation mindset where you know that you shouldn't step into your users uh, shoes for for things that you can easily test. And I think that's one of the key part of a strategy that you should adopt as a team. Uh, then I think the second I would say is also just getting the understanding of the basics of A-B testing, like what is the statistical significance, why we are going for a 95%, 99%. Instead of, let's say, if I ran a test and if I got 80% statistical significance, does that is that good or bad? Uh, and just go, sort of getting that statistical foundation correct. I think these are sort of the strategies that I would ask or I would imagine a, a great performing team to already have in place. 
All right. What kind of framework would you suggest for people to use for testing? Uh, th there are many frameworks out there. And as you might know, uh, our company feature also has one, which I uh, presented at the App Promotion Summit a few months ago. And these frameworks are essentially describing the same set of things, right? So having that framework on paper is, no, is not a rocket science tactic. But the framework that uh, we would suggest and that we, uh, we usually implement for our clients that we work very closely with is essentially these six steps, right? So we start with ideation. Uh, where we come up with uh, different ideas that you want to uh, test out and some campaign ideas. Then we usually have a prioritizing process and uh, how do you prioritize these ideas and actually get them to the ground. Then mm -hmm. we have like a huge bunch of steps where we set up and run the test. We analyze the results. We sort of decide on next steps when the test has run its course. And then the final part would be to actually consolidate these learnings so that you can share it within the team and across different teams in your organization and then sort of roll back to ideation. So that's the essential six-step process that uh, that we would uh, recommend and I, I generally think is a very good A-B testing or experimentation strategy to adopt. Okay, so uh, all parts of the framework you've just mentioned are important, but I would like to focus on just two, brainstorming and prioritizing. Because my feeling is that People generally are good in generating ideas, but have a problem with setting up priorities, right? Is, it, is this right perception? That's definitely true. And, uh, you know, that happens. Uh, it's funny how, how often that happens because when you get a team in a room to brainstorm ideas, everyone has an opinion. And so you, get, you always end up having like a lot of great ideas. The problem is then to bring those ideas back to the ground and make it more executionable, you know, and that's where I think the biggest drop happens uh, when it comes to experimentation. So I think those are the very good two crucial areas, uh, brainstorming and prioritization. Prioritization. I think for brainstorming, you usually have three broad ways of doing that, right? So you have quantitative data, which is where you look at different sort of funnel analysis, or if you have data science support for your team, then you look at uh, where users are dropping off, how users are behaving, and you sort of tackle the ideas from that side where you see if the biggest drops and you tackle that areas first. And the second way to go about it is using qualitative data. This usually happens in smaller teams which do not have necessarily the, the data science support. I think it's equally good, like where you actually do user surveys, you take that information and you try to validate your ideas or hypothesis that you have about your users. Uh, talk to customer care teams, understand what users are complaining about. This is sort of less tangible than the quantitative data, but it's still very, very useful. And the last one and my personal favorite is definitely uh, brainstorming. So which is, but brain, uh, it's a structured sort of brainstorming, which uh, we have developed at least a feature which is called the natural trigger brainstorm. And it's essentially where we go through different trigger types like time, change, location, people, and action. And then mm -hmm. we, uh, we try and understand as a team, as, as exactly as you mentioned, like just putting yourself in customer's shoes and trying to see what would be relevant for you. So once that is done, once that brainstorming you know, part is done and you have a bunch of ideas, prioritizing becomes very, very crucial and something that a lot of, people often lack. I speak about this quite often. It's called hippo effect, which is mm -hmm. the highest paid person's opinion in the room 
Uh, and that's uh, unfortunately the most commonly what we see across different organizations where essentially you have a bunch of ideas and whatever the highest paid person uh, thinks is the best idea, the team goes with it. Whereas a better prioritization process could be just using an RRF framework. For example, this is a framework that we have developed at Feature and we use quite extensively with our clients, which is, it stands for impact is equal to reach into relevance into frequency. Uh So that essentially means that whatever you're doing a campaign, let's say the campaign's impact is uh, how many users it's going to reach into how relevant you think um, this campaign is going to be for the user and the frequency at which a particular user would see this campaign and you get an impact score. And let's say we have 50 ideas. We do this for all the 50 ideas. And then we have a very clear sort of path as to what ideas uh, should we be tackling first. All right, got it. So the next question is, how can you actually learn to do A-B testing? Are there any courses, educational material for people to master A-B testing process? That's a that's a good question. I, I actually was thinking about what, how did I learn this, <laughs> which is, uh, which is yeah. mainly from my master's. But what I would recommend is actually just going through first, as I said, like the fundamentals of A-B testing. So what it actually stands for. So doing a statistics basic course might be helpful. Mm-hmm. But then like just reading up on blogs as to particularly how app industry uses it, because there are certain nuances that come with it. So feature blog, which is our company's blog, is quite quite nice uh, without being biased here. <laughs> but also, uh, also a lot of other blogs out there. Also, I think like conferences such as APS, like if you just go and most of the talks are on YouTube. If you go and uh, watch those talks, you usually get a sense of where the industry is at and what are they testing. So I would I would recommend that. Right. So you're starting with basics with theory and then you pick up notes from, you know, practitioners, people who are doing these things for a living uh, almost 24 seven and see how you can, how you can apply to your uh, own project. All right. Now there's a segment where I ask people quick, funny questions to paint a broader picture of who you are. Are you iOS or Android person? iOS, definitely. Okay, I'm putting another item to the, to iOS bucket in the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm, at one point I'm going to be measuring these two buckets and see which one is bigger. Uh, which one is bigger until now? If I for now, iOS is still beating Android. Uh, kind of reflecting, um, probably not actually reflecting, you know, on a global scale, but you know, Probably, you know, on just uh, on, in the industry overall, uh, I have a feeling like iOS is beating Android, you know, among marketers, people who are doing uh, digital marketing for a living. Can you remember your first mobile phone? I think my first mobile phone was a Nokia, but I don't remember which version it was. The first version that of a phone that I remember was having was Motorola Razr. Do you know that flip phone that we had? Uh, for, it was quite fancy for it. From the metrics, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That one. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite app now and why? I think my favorite app right now is, I have a few. I have Headspace, Duolingo, and Nike Running. I think those mm-hmm. are the top three apps that I use. And I really mm-hmm. like how they have, like, they know what users are looking for. And they. Uh, I think their communications are also relevant. I particularly look at that because I am a practitioner, but... Also, it's very user-friendly. I feel like they never 
uh, overdo anything. They never underdo anything. I feel it's the very good balance for a user like me. All right. Now, kind of opposite question. If there's an app that you tried, you give it a try for a few times. Uh, initially, you felt it was good, but then you feel no, it's actually it's not that great. It doesn't work for me. Like my initial impulse was, you know, driven by hype. But to be honest, it's ah, meh. <laughs> That's interesting. I think. I think one app that has never worked for me and I've tried multiple times is Evernote. Uh, it's like a note-taking app. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know. And it's super famous and a lot of people recommend it, but I've tried it multiple amount of times and it never works for me. I still feel like the paper and pen method of task, take, uh, task for me works the best, but that's probably just me and for not for other people. <laughs> that's you know yeah that's subjective it's a part of your psyche that's uh, yeah. that's totally fine all right probably there are some technologies that you're waiting for something that you would really like to see in the app you're using it's not there yet but it's coming so you're kind of you know checking uh for new iteration of ios and waiting for this features to be released are there any, any app technologies like this for you for sure. I think there are two parts, if I may just extend that mm-hmm. uh, a little bit, is like one are technologies that are very exciting, but also very attainable, but somehow users are not doing it or companies are not doing it. And then there are some technologies which I think are very exciting, but not. En- I haven't seen anyone in the industry sort of nailing it down, you know, completely. So I think uh, in the first bucket, you have technologies which are very attainable, but not many people are doing, which is uh, at least from the CRM field, in-app messages is a huge channel, which I think, you know, we don't see uh, organizations using it very often as they should, at least. It's been a very big, I am a big believer in in-app messages. And I think that's uh, quite exciting. And in the other bucket, which are exciting technologies, but, uh, you know, not everyone has figured it out. I think AMP, which has accelerated mobile pages is one of my personal favorites. I really love what it's doing to emails, where it's making it more sort of, uh, you know, conversation focused and you can actually reply in emails right from the email. You can build a web page within an email and stuff like that. But also, of course, then you have emerging platforms like voice, OTT, variables. I think those are super, super interesting uh, with a lot of untapped uh, potential. All right. Awesome. Before I let you go, how can people know more about what you do? Sure. I think the best place to do that would be to actually go out on feature, which is phiture.com and learn about what we do as a company. There are a lot of interesting stuff, but also if you wanted to personally connect with me, you could just find me on LinkedIn and uh, yeah, hit me a message. I'd be happy. All right. That's awesome. Great. Thanks a lot for your time and coming on our podcast, Karan. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. And that was Karan Tipdeval, growth consultant and feature. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just search for Business of Apps and you will be able to find us easily. Once you subscribe, you will get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please, don't forget to leave us a review and comment. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. See you next week. This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. 
You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.